You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the editor of Dunking With Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the Fan Side Network. Happy Monday, everybody. This is the post-game podcast from the Timberwolves' loss to the Los Angeles Lakers on Sunday night at Crypto.com Arena, which is still and probably will be weird for a while. Um, so today on the show, we're going to break down the game. This is after all the post-game pod. We're going to do key takeaways. And there's several. This is a really interesting game. A bit of a chess match of sorts between Chris Finch and Frank Vogel, the head coach of the Lakers, and how the Wolves tried to tried to draw up a game plan to beat a really small Lakers, te- Lakers team, how the Lakers tried to compensate for their terrible uh, work on the glass, or I should say the lack of work on the glass, and, and how the Wolves beat them up in the paint. Um, really interesting stuff to go through today. So it's all upcoming. First of all, thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. Lockdown Wolves is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms from Apple to Google, Spotify to, of course, our friends at Odyssey. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. All right. So Setting the stage here, obviously the Wolves, no Carl Anthony Towns, no D'Angelo Russell. They're the only two players still on the health and safety protocols list. Minnesota had several players on the questionable list. They all played, uh, save for McKinley Wright, who is inactive, but uh, everybody else played. I mean, Torian Prince saw the floor. Uh, uh, Anthony Edwards, this was his second game back. Jared Vanderbilt, second game back. So uh, healthy besides Towns and Russell. So two of the Timberwolves' three best players didn't play. Of course, Anthony Davis has been out since the last time. He actually got hurt the last time the Wolves and Lakers played uh, the, the weekend before Christmas. Um, and uh, so a couple weeks ago now. And LeBron was on the floor healthy for the Lakers. Essentially, they were just missing Anthony Davis. Um, of course, they just traded Rajon Rondo the other day. So the rotation looking a little different since the last time we saw the Lakers. DeAndre Jordan, uh, Dwight Howard, not part of the Lakers regular rotation anymore. I was curious to see, and I wrote about this a little bit at Dunkey with Wolves, if perhaps Frank Vogel, the Lakers head coach, would make an adjustment and one of those guys may play to try and combat Nas Reed, even with no Carl Anthony Towns. I'm sure if Towns had played, we would have seen those guys see, see more playing time, um, especially given what we saw Nas do in this particular game. But the Lakers wanted to challenge the Wolves. Will you keep feeding Nas Reed in the post? Is that how you want to play this game? Because we think we can make him, you know, we can slow him down enough. And also Nas likes to shoot the ball from the perimeter. Will he want to stay in the post? Will you want to keep him in the post? Will he be good enough? And, and if you're a Timberwolves, if you watch the Timberwolves, if you're a fan, um, or you watch, the, uh, you watch the Timberwolves on a regular basis, you know that Nas Reed can, can win one-on-one in the post, especially against Stanley Johnson or whoever, whatever, non-big you want to put down there with him one-on-one. Nas is a pretty good post player. Um, and he may not have even the size of a Carl Anthony Towns and, and not quite the fluidity or the footwork of a Carl Anthony Towns, but he's a good, he is a relatively fluid post player. He can win one-on-one. Um, he's not the passer that Cat is. But the Lakers decided to challenge the Wolves there. And Minnesota was relatively patient throughout the game. We're going to spend some more time talking about that. But that was the first thing I wanted to look for in this game. Then also how the Wolves were going to guard LeBron James. And sure enough, Minnesota opened the game. Jared Vanderbilt was the starting four. He was opening the game, guarding LeBron. Jaden McDaniels got some early opportunity. I I think even before the midway point of the first quarter, McDaniels came in in the first sub for Minnesota. I think it was the under uh, one of the first media timeouts. And... um, McDaniels and Vando each got the opportunity to guard LeBron. Although throughout the night, if 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 LeBron got the ball with his back to the basket, then the Wolves would bring a double. And it didn't 
often work because LeBron's such a good passer, but I don't necessarily disagree with the strategy because the whole idea is you don't want him to beat you anyway, and he's going to beat Jane McDaniels in the post, for instance. So get the ball out of his hands. Hopefully you can get a hand on it, create a turnover, and they did that a couple of times. Uh, and ho- Or hopefully whoever he passes the ball to misses the shot, which is a, a fair thing to, to, you know, if it's Russell Westbrook shooting from the perimeter, let him shoot from the perimeter, right? So it's a pick your poison situation as it always is. Uh, that's how defense works in the NBA. And, and that was the Wolves calculated decision. And again, for the most part, it worked well. Um, early in the game, Minnesota tried to get Malik Beasley a bunch of shots. Several of their first offensive sets were trying to run him off of um, drag screens and double pin down actions and stuff like that to try and get him open. And he once again could not get going early. He ended up having an okay game, but just just not not the Malik Beasley of the last two seasons in a Timberwolves uniform. Um, Minnesota was down early first quarter. We actually got a little dicey early first, or excuse me, late first, early second quarter. It, it could have gotten out of hand. It was, I think, a nine or 10 point lead for the Lakers. But then the Timberwolves bench far outplayed LA. Jalen Noel was fantastic in the first half. The Lakers just don't have depth. And, and we'll talk a little bit more about this later too. But one of the things that the Wolves have, I've been talking about this since preseason, I genuinely think this is a good team. The question is, how far can the Stars take them? And then kind of those, you know, the, the in-between guys, right? The Malik Beasleys, uh, well, he's he's the primary one, right? But Malik Beasley, Jade McDaniels, can these guys do enough to support the Stars? And then when the Stars are out, can they do enough to support or, or to carry this team? Uh, Beasley has not for much of this year. Jaden McDaniels has been great of late, but he was not very good or very assertive and, and kind of spotty even on defense earlier in the season, as recently as just a few weeks ago. Uh, but Jalen Noel has stepped up quite a bit. Obviously, the Boston game last week, he's had a couple of up and down performances since then. But early in this game, he was fantastic inside the arc. He missed uh, a number of threes and was, what, one of four on the night, but he missed, I believe, his first three three-point attempts. Was very good inside the arc. Um, was was really dynamic off the bench, exactly what you would want him to be. Um, and he got the Timberwolves, made this thing close, really, in the first half. It ended up being a three-point Lakers lead at halftime. The Timberwolves took the lead in the third quarter. Uh, the offensive rebounding was phenomenal. We'll talk more about that. Uh, but, I mean, the Wolves had literally double the number of total rebounds as the Lakers. They had 56 rebounds. Lakers had 28 that's twice as many rebounds. They had 20 offensive rebounds. Lakers only had four offensive rebounds. The Timberwolves had a greater than two to one. It was an almost a three to one advantage in second chance points. The third quarter is when that really made a difference. And Minnesota actually went up two going to the fourth. They built a multi-possession lead in the in the first two, three minutes of the fourth quarter. But then the Lakers made some adjustments. Uh, they put LeBron James on Nas Reed for the first time in the game. They essentially forced the ball out of Nas's hands um, and all the stuff that he was able to do early in the game, whether it was scoring in face-up opportunities, scoring in the post, the only thing that was still really working was the pick-and-roll game. And even that was jammed up a little bit, as it as tends to happen late in the game when defense tightens up. And the Timberwolves just made plenty of dumb mistakes. That was the story of the fourth quarter in this one. Dumb turnovers. Nathan Knight missed a wide-open dunk. Uh, Ant had Turnovers were a big issue for him, first and fourth quarter especially. Um, turnovers were really kind of the story of the fourth quarter. And then late in the game, when the Timberwolves got close, they just couldn't hold the Lakers in check. The Lakers seemed to be able to get uh, just just enough. They didn't get what they wanted really at any point in this game, but down the stretch, they got enough of what they wanted to draw fouls to uh, as much as the Timberwolves tried to extend this game, the Lakers got what they wanted when they needed it at the end of the fourth quarter. And Minnesota's sloppy offense, it was sloppy offense, and then it was missed open threes. But the fourth quarter, it was the sloppiness on offense. It was the turnovers that were really kind of the biggest issue. And LeBron, I mean, not only was he guarding Nas, but he made two or three really strong plays in the open floor. 
Uh, one steal uh, that could have been an easy dunk. He made a fantastic steal on a fast break opportunity for Minnesota when it was just like a two or three point game uh, relatively late in the fourth quarter. And some other really just generally strong defensive rotations that didn't show up in the box score, but LeBron doing LeBron things. And and this was, this was if, you know, we, we talk about uh, LeBron is able to turn it on, turn it off at different points of the season, at different points in a game. And, and when I say turn it off, I don't mean like he's not trying. I just mean he can really turn it on. Like he's just a, he can be, you know, his whatever percent effort is still phenomenal, but there's another level that LeBron can take it to in crunch time. And we saw that in the fourth quarter of this game against the Lakers. Uh, or between the Wolves and the Lakers, LeBron, it was very apparent that he just, okay, it's right, it's time to win now. I'll guard Nas Reed, uh, which doesn't sound um, all that, you know, like that serious of an assignment, but when Nas is, is torching you for 20 plus points and you don't have anybody that can guard him, you don't want to use DeAndre Jordan, you don't use Dwight Howard, that's a different assignment that he didn't have in the first three quarters. They put him on him. He plays a little bit of free safety at times defensively. He initiates the offense. He is just everywhere, uh, both in the half court and, and in, in transition defensively and really just wins this game for the Lakers down the stretch. And he needed to, uh, you know, this Lakers team, I, I understand they have Russell Westbrook. I get they have Carmelo Anthony, but we also all know that those guys aren't the guys they were a decade ago with no Anthony Davis. This is LeBron and just a bunch of guys. And uh, I, I honestly thought this was a game where Anthony Edwards and a bunch of guys would maybe have a shot at winning this game. And of course the Wolves covered, I think the line at BetOnline.ag was seven and a half or eight points. This is another cover for Minnesota. I thought the line was too high because the depth on this Minnesota team is pretty good. Um, and, you know, this this collection of supporting cast members, if Anthony Edwards had had one, had had a good game, the Timberwolves probably win, but he didn't. Um, and I'm not certainly laying this on Anthony Edwards. That's just the easiest way of saying, hey, the rest of this team isn't isn't bad. That you know they 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 were ahead in the early fourth quarter in this game. They just couldn't figure it out offensively with no Towns and no Russell down the stretch. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that next. I want to question a couple of things rotation related uh, here in just a minute. So we'll get to that momentarily. First though, uh, let's talk about our friends at Built Bar. It's the new year now. That means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. In a lot of cases, it is. Def- I mean, I mean that better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good. You'll want to eat it. Unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky or waxy or taste like a chemical spill, you want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring. By like week three, you might be thinking, "This is not worth it." Where's the chocolate? I got you covered. Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Most Built Bars have 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Here's an idea for the new year. Go to your all, all your secret treat stashes at home, in the pantry, at the office, in the car, wherever that might be. Throw out the sugar or calorie-filled treats. Replace them with Built Bars so when you're craving a snack or a treat, you can reach for something that's healthy and tastes incredible. Even if you're not a huge fan of working out, uh, you can at least eat something that tastes good and is good for you. That way, when you enjoy a delicious Built Bar, you can almost count it as a workout. Plus, there's so many flavors to choose from. Coconut almond to peanut butter brownie, raspberry cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many, many more. In fact, Built is always coming out with new limited time flavors. So check out Built.com often to see what's new. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15, get 15% off your order. Again, that's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com.
All right, let's go ahead and talk key takeaways from Wolves Lakers. Number one, let's talk about Anthony Edwards. So, um, Obviously, this is his second game back from from the health and safety protocols list. I know he said that he felt fine the whole time he had COVID. I think he said he had no symptoms is, is what he told the media. Um, obviously, vaccinated. Great that he didn't have any symptoms. Obviously, he still didn't play for, for essentially two weeks. And um, his first game back was a little uneven. He ended up having a pretty strong game offensively. But like I said on the show, he was like half step slow defensively at least uh, last time out against Utah. We saw that again in this game. Um, now there were more glimpses of of Ant, uh, you know, being himself, but offensively he was he was off more than he was against Utah. He shot just seven of nineteen, but he was zero of six outside the arc. He went through these these uh, early in the game. It was turnovers, right? He committed, I think it was four turnovers in the first half. He committed two personal fouls before the end of the first quarter and had already committed four turnovers at that point. Had a couple of nice moves to the basket, but besides that, I mean, he wasn't getting foul calls early and just was a little bit off, uh, turned it over in pick and roll game, turned it over in transition. Then late in the game, things started to pick up for him. He had two, three real nice reverse layups at the basket, uh, over the course of the game, had a couple of other really great moves. Uh, one where he took off like essentially a foot inside the free throw line. It looked like he was going to throw it down, but took contact, didn't get the foul call and made a really tough kind of double clutch layup. Uh, and I mean, on the one hand, he should have gotten to the free throw line more in this game. He did not get enough free throw opportunities for how much contact he was taking. On the other hand, basically the entire middle portion of the game, it seemed like he just kind of decided to to do the thing where he, he, when he gets the ball in the half court, he hangs out on the perimeter and launches a three. He it just, the, you could, I mean, if you watch Ant enough, you know what he's about to do. And he oftentimes will just kind of rock back into that three point attempt. And his jumper was off the entire game. He missed from the mid range. He missed from deep. And while he was good in the paint and should have gotten to the free throw line more, and I understand the frustration, it just wasn't an efficient offensive game. Obviously, 18 points at 19 shots is not what you want. Um, And so it was a combination of not getting the calls and also falling into this, uh, I'm going to settle type of a mindset. Um, Seven rebounds, four assists, good, a steal, a block, but the eight turnovers and the 18 points at 19 shots is not ideal. Um, certainly not putting this all on Ant. I just thought it was notable to to point out the kind of night he had. And also early in the game, it was just, he just didn't play well in the first quarter. It was sloppy, the turnovers, there were a couple of bad turnovers late. Of the eight, I, I'm pretty confident six or seven of the eight were early in the first quarter or late in the fourth quarter. Um, he did not start or finish well. And yet there were still some of these spectacular drives to the basket mixed in. And, and hopefully he finds his rhythm and maybe even tomorrow playing two games in two days in the same building, not having to travel. Who knows? Maybe that'll help uh, with Ant, um, you know, getting back to himself a little bit more quickly. The second thing was the Wolves game plan in sticking with Nas Reed. I thought it was fantastic. We'll talk more about Nas, of course, in the studs and duds segment as, as we need to. Uh, but Minnesota stuck with it. Um, I was impressed with their with their stick-to-itiveness with that and just getting the ball to Nas in the post, letting him work, him scoring in the post. He also, I mentioned this earlier, he had the opportunity to score in face-up situations. There were a couple where he just he just barely missed on a difficult a couple spin moves to the basket. We know Nas has a good spin move both out of the post and also off the dribble. He scored in face-up opportunities. He scored in the post-up game. Um, and also in pick-and-roll game, he was fantastic as the role man in this game. Um and he just has enough finesse and enough ability to to get to where he wants and and use his length and dexterity and his footwork. It's just a really good Nas Reed game. And we saw uh, a, both two years ago the the COVID shortened the first COVID shortened season nineteen to twenty, and a little bit last year when Towns went out, 
that Nas can be overexposed a little bit as a starter at times, depending on the matchup. This was the type of game where Nas can do all the things that he can do and with success. I mean, he dropped a 23 and 11 in 30 minutes, didn't really get into foul trouble. Uh, the Lakers don't play any big men. I mean, LeBron James is by far the biggest player that they play with, right? I mean, no Dwight Howard, no Don, DeAndre Jordan. They didn't even play Kent Bazemore, who's not big, but can play, you know, kind of that 3-4 type role. Stanley Johnson was the only resistance until the Lakers put LeBron on Nas Reed uh, in the fourth quarter. But whenever Stanley Johnson was guarding Nas Reed, it was over. I mean, Nas could score every time he touched the ball, and the Lakers never brought a double, and they didn't need to. I understand why the Lakers played this the way they did, and ultimately they got the win, but it was a little bit like playing with fire because we all know that Nas Reed can score in one-on-one situations. And if you put Stanley Johnson on him, I mean, he's 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 going to score more often than not. Um, and so kudos to the Timberwolves for sticking with it. I actually think they played this pretty well. I don't know that you could have really gotten him any more touches. Putting LeBron on him in the fourth quarter was really smart by the Lakers. The Wolves should have seen that coming. And I don't know exactly what the adjustment should have been. Um, but there were two, three possessions where it was just like, okay, this isn't going to work out the same way as it did when Stanley Johnson was guarding me. Um, and they kind of aborted the mission at that point when it came to getting the ball to Nas and understandably so. Uh, but for the, at least the first three quarters, it made a lot of sense for Minnesota to run the offense through Nas Reed. And he played well. I mean, he missed all four of his three point attempts, a couple of them pretty badly. He probably could have gotten to the free throw line more than four times. I think we go up and down the lineup and say, huh, Wolves could have gotten more free throw attempts, but that's a theme we've seen all season. The Lakers, by the way, shot. 13 more free throws than the Timberwolves. Go figure. Um, that's been a consistent theme all season. Um, but overall, impressive execution of the offensive game plan for the most part until late in the game for Minnesota and also good game for Nas Reed. Uh, my third takeaway is related to the rotation and adjusting to the Lakers adjustments. I mentioned LeBron guarding Nas late. Uh, the Timberwolves just kind of by default went to essentially the starters with Jane McDaniels mixing in in place of uh, Patrick Beverly at times. Um, I think briefly him and Vanderbilt were on the court. Yeah, him and Vanderbilt were on the court without Beverly. I think briefly they were on the court together without Anthony Edwards very briefly. But for whatever reason, Malik Beasley was seemingly always on the court for the Wolves. He was second in minutes, 37 minutes played in this game. But he wasn't very effective. Uh, Malik scored 16 points on 18 shots, 6 of 18 shooting, another 33% shooting night for Malik. Four of 11 outside the arc is fine, right? I mean, that's, that's, we'll take that. But when you miss, uh, but when you shoot, what, two of seven inside the arc, you grab one rebound in 37 minutes and have zero assists uh, and don't play well defensively. I mean, what do we do with that? And, and my question would be at what point, especially a depleted team with no Carl, I shouldn't say depleted, missing two of your three best players and no Towns and no Russell. At what point does Jalen Newell get some of those minutes? Um, now I've advocated for Beasley to be a starter for a long time. And, and I still would argue that he's better as a starter than a, a reserve. And I'm not simply just, you pull those numbers and there's obviously so much more context that goes with it. The Beasley is a starter. Beasley is a reserve. Talked about this a few days ago, last week or something that yes, those numbers are better with Beasley as a starter, but it's not, it's not quite that simple because there's additional context as well that comes with why he's starting, why he's coming off the bench, who he's starting with, who he's coming off the bench with. There's a lot of factors that play into it, but at what point does Malik Beasley, who's not playing all that well in this particular game, do you just give his minutes to Jalen Noel, who's been money when he's on the court, especially in this game? Seven of 10 shooting for Noel, 17 points, four rebounds, two assists. He's not the same player as Malik Beasley. I get that. 
I've talked about that quite a bit on the show. Malik Beasley's catch and shoot guy. He's transition guy. Jalen Noel is, he's like a mix between Anthony Edwards. I think he's more of an Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell mix than he is anything like Malik Beasley. But in theory, he'll get you, he'll get you the same result in a different way. And a Wolves team with no D'Angelo Russell needs that hybrid player. They need that Jalen Noel more than they need Malik Beasley to catch and shoot. When the defense knows almost immediately, oh, the Wolves are running a double pin down. Obviously, it's from Malik Beasley. This is the action they're going to try and run. He's the only guy on the court that's going to catch and shoot at a high clip, or theoretically should, that the Wolves would run this action for. It's very clear what Minnesota's trying to do, and the Lakers did a very good job of guarding it. There was no additional adjustment for Minnesota, and I would have wanted to see Jalen Noel on the court when you're trying to make up those additional possessions, either instead of Beasley, you could argue you put him out there instead of Beverly. Obviously, you lose a lot defensively, and Pat Bev was very good in this game, so I don't know that I would have done that here, but depending on the matchup, maybe if you're down you know, 10, 12 late, then yes, you, you want Noel on the floor. I just think this would have been a good opportunity. I mean, there's no Carl Anthony Towns. There's no D'Angelo Russell. Um, you know, there's less high usage players. There's less stars that you're trying to to get on the floor together. Put Noel out there instead of one of those other guys. And, and it's not like you're creating a controversy or anything. This would have been a good opportunity to try that um, as, in a game that he was playing so well. So that's what I would have done differently. And I don't take exception very often to head coach Chris Finch's rotation decisions. I think he does a phenomenal job, but that's one thing I would have tried in this game um, and and it would have been entertaining to see. Okay. We're going to close the game today by talking, or excuse me, close the show today by talking about individual studs and duds for Wolves Lakers. That's upcoming next. All right, individual studs and duds. Uh, so not too difficult to figure it out in this one. Nas Breed for me is the number one. He was really, really good. 23 points, 11 rebounds, two assists for Nas. 10 of 17 shooting, 0 of 4 outside the arc. But he was 3 of 4 at the line. And and again, the 11 boards, which was big. Um, he did have three turnovers, four fouls, but it never really felt like, uh, I mean, it wasn't an ultra, it was just a, a solid Nas game. I mean, I, I talked about this quite a bit already, but he scored at every level, post-up opportunities, face-up opportunities as the role man. Set good screens for much of the night. Was a big part of why pick-and-roll game was working so well for the majority of the game. And defensively, he was fine. I mean, he essentially was like, I mean, the Lakers don't run anything and nobody posts up on the Lakers except for LeBron James. Um, And so, I mean, they're just the defensive assignment here was a little bit different for Nas than we'd see on a typical night. I thought all the way around he played a really solid game. Number two for me, Jalen Noel. Just talked quite a bit about him last segment. 17 points in 22 minutes, just 10 shots to get his 17 points, and he only made one three. This wasn't just a, a reigning three pointers game. In fact, his three point shot was ugly. Uh, two of his four misses were were bricks, uh, just kind of banging off the backboard. He may have even had an air ball mixed in there. Um, but 17 points, four rebounds, two assists, and a steal in 22 minutes. He initiated a little bit of offense. Uh, Jordan McLaughlin only played six first half minutes, and so Noel was played a little bit of a point guard in the second half, and it was good. Again, two assists, only one turnover in 22 minutes. Um, continue to be impressed by Jalen Noel, and, and the Wolves need to figure out a way to to get him on the floor regularly. I should point out, though, Josh Kogi, and for that matter, Jake Lehman, Leonard Balmaro, all three of those guys who have been parts of the rotation at, at, at some given point over the past few weeks, none of those guys played. They were all they were all DNP CDs, and uh, most notably, of course, Kogi and Layman, who have most recently been in the rotation. But Torian Prince came back, played 11 minutes, 
And uh, Jalen Noel played 22 off the bench. I mean, tied for the most minutes of anybody off the bench for Minnesota. So I, things are going to change when D'Angelo Russell comes back and, and that bumps Malik Beasley, presumably, back to the bench. And when Carlton Towns comes back and Nas gets bumped to the bench, of course, Nas will take Nathan Knight's minutes. And so there will be a domino effect there. But when Russell comes back, will Noel still get on the court? Will he take Jordan McLaughlin's minutes and become kind of a de facto backup point guard uh, just to get him on the floor? Um, you know, obviously, Beverly can play that role too, but he will presumably keep starting alongside alongside D'Angelo Russell. So it'll be interesting to see how Chris Finch handles that uh, here, hopefully very, very soon, if uh, Russell and Towns are able to come back in short order. Um, third stud for this game. It's a little bit more difficult, but I'll, I'll go with Patrick Beverly. He was really good all the way around. Uh, looked for a shot really aggressively early. About half his shot attempts came in the first quarter. 12 points, 9 rebounds, 6 assists, 2 steals for Pat Bev. He did have 4 turnovers, and a couple were costly. They were late in the game. Just kind of one was a, a complete mishandle. The ball just kind of bounced out of bounds. Actually, I think two of them were mishandles. So a little bit sloppy there, but they, there wasn't anything to that. Um, they weren't just like terrible decisions. They were just bad misplays at a bad time. But 12, 9, and 6 out of Pat Bev is something we'll take. 5 of 12 shooting, 12, 2 of 5, excuse me, outside the arc. And uh, a good all-around game for Patrick Beverly, which is what Timberwolves fans have definitely gotten accustomed to seeing from Pat Bev this season. Uh, number one uh, dud for me, this is a little bit trickier. Again, nobody really had a, a bad game per se. Um, I, I'm going to go with Malik Beasley. It, or, and this is tough. Um, you could argue that Anthony Edwards game was more disappointing or more detrimental to the team. But Malik just didn't, he doesn't do enough to shoot just six of 18. He doesn't do enough other things. And I've talked about this before on the show. He can't play 37 minutes and get one rebound, zero assists. Um, and I just like with no Carl Anthony Towns, with no Anthony Edwards, or excuse me, no D'Angelo Russell, you got to see more out of Malik Beasley. And, and I understand that that's not necessarily the player he is. He's not a create his own shot or create for others type of player, but he has to do more with his opportunities. Um, whether that's making, he shot two, three, four mid-range jumpers in this game and he missed a, a shot at the rim. Uh, you know, this was just kind of a, a, a loosey goosey game for Malik. And, and while he was okay outside the arc, four of 11 is fine. Um, you just need a little bit more out of him in a game like this. And I mean, either him or Ant, one of them needed to step up a little bit more. Timberwolves only lost by five. They were leading in the fourth quarter of this game. And in a game when you literally double up the other team on the boards, you dominate them in the paint. Um, Nas Reed does the cat thing and gets a double-double. I mean, you, you feel like you've got to, you should have a shot to win. And they did. Um, they just weren't able to pull it out because they didn't get enough from the two guys that were supposed to be their, their top scorers in this game and Ant and Malik Beasley. All right. Um, that's really all we have today. Of course, the Wolves play the Clippers. Uh, they turn around and play the Clippers Monday night. So we'll have a postgame pod for Tuesday's show following the game Monday. By the time that posts, it will be Tuesday because that's a 9.30 p.m. Central tip against the Clippers at, uh, what is it, Crypto uh, Crypto.com Arena, I think it is. Uh, I, I think I got it right early. Crypto.com Arena on Monday night against the Clippers. So we'll talk all about that game following uh, the tilt against the Clippers and, of course, shows all week, Monday through Friday. And uh, it's a busy week for the Timberwolves now here starting the week with the back-to-back. -back. So thank you to those of you that do listen regularly and that those of you that make Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. Of course, the show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, also everywhere on uh, the various audio platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, the all-new Odyssey app. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T-Wolves and at B Beacon with two Bs, two Es, C-K-E-N. 
That's all we have for you today. Thanks again for listening to Locked On Wolves, of course, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Remember, the Locked On Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.